welcome to Ace Comicals episode number 127. And uh, we have a special guest joining us today. Today we are joined by David Lloyd. Um, so the usual host is myself and we have Leon and Rahul. Um, and uh, we are joined by um, David Lloyd. So hi, David. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Greg. And uh, I'm glad to be here. Very nice to be invited too. Yes, no, it's it's uh, great to have you on the show, and um, it's it's a big one for us because obviously a lot of the things that you've done within the comics medium um, have sort of been a cornerstone of my introduction to realms outside of Marvel and DC. Good. So, yeah, it's um, you you were kind of like a gateway into the wider world of comics for me with some of the work that you've done, which we're going to get onto in a moment. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a an honor to have you on the show, really. Okay, man. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So um, you sort of, uh, you've come on today specifically to talk about this anthology, online anthology uh, title that you're running called Aces Weekly. Yep, yeah. Um, so Aces Weekly is an online anthology with a subscription model that um, uh, you can subscribe to for £6.99 a month. Um, but well, it's, it's not. It's yeah, about yeah. one pound. Works out to one pound a week. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, because uh, every volume it runs in kind of volumes, so that after seven weeks it turns into a volume. Then there is a two-week break, and then we start another another volume. But basically, every volume is a, is a part work of seven weeks. Mm. Um, an entire volume, if you buy it as a back volume, it costs you six ninety nine. And that's up to 150 pages, including extras. So that's a hell of a bargain. But the way we run it is that it's run uh, over seven weeks. So every Monday, you get a seventh of the volume. Um, and, uh, and so it, it works out to about a pound a week uh, for just over 20 pages, which is like a bargain in anybody's, uh, in anybody's uh, book. Oh, definitely, yeah. Especially when you look at the price of... Um actual comics in print and anthologies that are out there now on the newsstands and things like that, or in specialist distributors and, and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, it, it almost reminds me of when I was a kid and I would be able to go and pick up um, things from the newsagent for a pound a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's it. I yeah. mean, yeah. Oh, if we could only go back to before the days of any kind of inflation, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's an online anthology and, um, there's some really interesting stuff in here. So, um, if we, uh, I mean, some of the things cause I've, I've subscribed recently, I've been reading volume 55 and, um, I've just been going, I've been really enjoying space junk. And, yeah, that's, um, in, that's incredible stuff. Carlos Pascoa uh, yeah, from Portugal. Yeah. Um, absolutely brilliant work. Yeah. And, um, I've also been enjoying monster story as well. Which is something mm. a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, yeah. that came along. That was offered to us um, as a, a story. There's a, there's a guy, a great Italian writer, uh, Marcello Bondi, who offers these short stories that he gets people to do. Um, so he sent that one along. And by sheer chance, of course, um, we put it in this volume just before the war, the, war, uh, the invasion uh, should I say, uh, started of Ukraine, which was like one of those terrible moments of uh, what do they call it, synergy or something, which uh, which which just happened, and and it speaks to 
everything that's happening right now and in the past, of course, through any any bunch of refugees that we happen to have uh, knowledge of. Uh, it's that old thing, you know. But as I say, but that story that you, you, you mentioned, um, which, you know, of course, you know what it's about. And um, but but for people to know what that story is, of course, they have to uh, they have to uh, get the volume um, itself. But uh, yes. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, is um, I was going to ask you actually. Is it is it actually a true story? Do we? Know uh, I I don't know about that. As a matter of fact, I think it, it's it's a story that covers uh, a lot of a lot of uh, of experiences. Um, I don't know whether it's a true story. Um, uh, some relative of Monsif may have known about that. I don't know. I mean. The thing is, I just took it as as a story of uh, about a refugee, a child yeah. refugee, and uh, and we printed it that that you know. I mean, I, I'm not absolutely sure whether it's a true story, but it's true for so many. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in a sense, it's not even necessary to know whether it was true because it is true as a fact of uh, uh, of the existence, you know. It's a, it's an experience that people have had, regardless. Anyway, this is something that people go through. This is something that happens in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's um, it always strikes me like as as ma- as many comics as I read, as many graphic novels as I go through, as much as I spend time in this space and in these worlds, it always strikes me how powerful comics can be in conveying stories like that. Absolutely. I mean, and this is the tragedy of comics generally. I mean. You know, we know this is the this is the problem with comics as a medium, as a cultural, uh, with as a its cultural identity. I mean, the thing is that comics can tell any story, but but in some in most parts of the world that we're familiar with, um, if you say comics to everybody, they'll just think Spider Man or Superman or something. They don't. The general public does not realize how 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 great. Uh, the comic medium is and it can tell any story and and i think you know that's something that i've always been very unhappy with um and you know i tried my best to try and spread the word of 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 you know what comics can can do but it's very difficult um i i think comics it's a very interesting form comics because because Unlike cinema, cinema happened. When cinema happened, it it started off in a very simple, basic manner um, in sort of popular entertainment. It was just westerns. It started off with like westerns, you know, black hats and white hats, and 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 it was nobody ever thought that it would actually grow into anything that actually had any any serious artistic merit. But but because it grew at the same rate and matured in the same kind of way. In all the countries of the world, um, you know, the language got more sophisticated in Japan, the same as it got sophisticated in France uh, over time and in America. And so you had a medium that was like uh, childlike in its aspects at the beginning, but then grew and matured throughout uh, the world at the same at the same rate, whereas if you look at comics, comics 
the growth of comics in, in different countries has had completely different personality. In Japan, we know it's everywhere. I mean, they have golf comics in, in Japan. They have comics for everything. Um, and it's part of the culture. And, uh, uh, and then in France, of course, it has a completely different uh, personality in France. And then in Spain and Italy, it's different. And in America, it's been overtaken completely by the superhero genre. And in England, we had another kind of uh, personality. So, so the medium has been cursed um, uh, by all these different evolutions of its personality and value from country to country. And I think that's the reason why it's, you know, why it's, it's so damaged as a means of acceptable uh, communication on the cultural level. You know, it's like... Um, I I don't know how we're ever going to change that now. I mean, I I think everybody's trying to. I mean, and yeah. you know, there's been so much great stuff, uh, so many great stories that have been told. But if you, the general public, Joe public, does not know about all these great stories that you know and I know because we've, you know, because we love comics, we explore the different areas of comics you know even if we were even if when we were kids we were you know and for teenagers we were brought up on fantastic four and spider-man you know if we really love comics we we explore uh what else is there or if we're lucky or if we've got brains we do you know you you go into gosh comics in like in london and then you see all the other stuff they got and if you if you really love comics you actually explore that stuff but a lot of people don't do that, and the Joe public certainly is not going to going to make the effort to do that. So um, it's a real tragedy, you know. Uh, the, the comics should be much more highly regarded by the public, like novels, you know. You know, fiction. Yeah, okay. I mean, every you know, <laughs> everybody respects you know the whole wide range of material that is in novels. You know, from Jane Austen to Conan the Barbarian, you know, but but uh, no, you 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 know, we're stuck with these with these brands that, as I say, sort of differ from uh, country to country, and uh, and it's a shame. It's one of those things that I kind of like. I'm very sad about, but um, I mean, one of the things about Aces Weekly is that we I love to have this mix, and that's. That's one of the things that we always aimed for, um, to have a lot of the regular stuff, but also a lot of stuff that was like off the wall, because um, in an anthology, you can actually do that. You know, you, 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 with an anthology, you can present um, your reader with a couple of regular conventional adventure stories and and shove in something different and eccentric maybe because they're going to read that other something they might otherwise not even see so um you know that's i mean the, you know going around the houses here and me and me talking about aces weekly uh that's that's one of the uh that's one of the reasons why we we do it why why you know the value of it really it's it's a good way to bring forward the lesser known side of comics and the lesser known stories that are out there underneath people's eyes to 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 because you introduce it with the almost like when you add sugar to medicine or something like that I suppose absolutely absolutely and yeah, you know yeah. 
And, and uh, a lot of people, when they talk to me about V for Vendetta, I mean, V for Vendetta is an adventure story that has a message that is a very important message. But if you try and give that message outside of that colourful concept that, uh, that V for Vendetta is wrapped in, you'd have a hard job, especially if, you were talk- if, you're talking to, if you're talking to people who are not necessarily interested in you know, intelligent political discussion. I mean, but that comes, to, that comes down to the whole anthology concept. You know, at the very beginning, uh, V for Vendetta began in Warrior, which was an anthology magazine, um, and it had a superhero character, it had Marvel Man, and it had some sort of like science fiction crazy stuff. And then they had a kind of sorcery thing. And, you know, but we, and we had V for Vendetta, which had a, li- had a political message in it, had something to say. Now, the other stories didn't effectively have anything specific to say, but we did. And, uh, and we were in the middle of all the other general um, entertainment stuff. So, um, you know that's uh, that's that's you know exactly what what you just said. It's like you you can say something. I mean, in the sense, uh, nineteen eighty four was the same. I mean, George Orwell's nineteen eighty four. He was writing a story, but within that was a warning. Now, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I mean. Goes back to the goes goes to the to the best of science fiction. There's always these these warnings about uh, the future. And uh, but but as you say, you if you want to tell somebody something, if you want to spread a message, you, the worst thing you can do is is hit them over the head with uh, with some philosophical or political diatribe because they just won't listen. They you know they have to be you have to persuade them um, and. You know, give it to them as you say, as a sort of like a, a, a spoonful of sugar. Yes, indeed. Um, and and so, I mean, coming on to because I worry and um, V for Vendetta and everything else. So, your career began, as I understand it, with the Hammer's Hall of Horror. Um, you were adapting movies to comic form. Well, yeah, that was well, that was that wasn't how it began. I mean, it was well adapting. Adapting filmic and TV stuff was because my first real break, uh, the one that counted, there was one before that I won't talk about, but that was the first, the first break that really counted for me was I was asked to do all the, um, the strips and illustrations in a Logan's Run annual. Logan's Run was a, a TV series of the uh, the famous uh, novel, the no- novel which is better than the the movie uh, of uh, that William F. Nolan did with George Clayton Johnson, Logan's Run, and uh, and they made a TV series of it. And I did the 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 kind of the Christmas annual of Logan's Run, and um, and that was my break and and in fact when i look back on that work that's still good and that was like way back that's this is 77 that's the that's the beginning of my career and and because that stuff that i did in that book was so good um that gave me an opportunity to to just get work from that point on so um and uh 
and that uh, the uh, Halls of Hammer um, yeah. book, uh, the adaptation of Quatermass Two, uh, that was I think about maybe the second uh, job, but uh, um, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, a, another good uh, debut uh, with uh, with Des Des Skin because Des Skin was that a thing that. Uh, that thing before he uh, eventually en- ended up uh, doing Marvel UK. So, yeah. So that was that was that was a yeah. one of the essential stepping stones. Yeah, you could say. Well, that. What what I was going to come on to is like the development of that filmic style that you have in your artwork and how that lend- lends itself so well and sort of like builds up to what we get in V for Vendetta. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, I, but I, I can't, I can honestly say it wasn't the, it wasn't drawing adaptations of TV and 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 movies that led me to that. It was just, it's just because I love. Essentially, I just, I was, I was brought up on, on TV and movies. I mean, uh, um, my dad uh, was on night work practically his whole life. So for us as a family, it was like once we were introduced to TV, that was it. You know, we were like, especially and as kids, me and my brother, we were hooked on TV. And I was brought up on TV and we went to the movies every every week. Uh, I, and I think actually I'm much more influenced by movies um, from a uh, storytelling point of view than uh, than comics because they were less important to me than uh, than than movies i mean and i think that's it i've just ingested i think i ingested all that all that cinematic storytelling um uh so i think i think that's that's it i mean i'm just glad i did too because i think cinema is i mean cinema is at the heart of comics um i think the only reason why comics got uh distracted from that um was because of uh of the need for more i don't know splashy layouts and stuff like that but um cinema is really you know that's where i i mean that's that's where i come from more than anything else i think yeah and then um you can actually see how that the influence of cinema has sort of like worked its magic through what you do like when we look at um when i was when i was looking at at some of your other work like night raven for example and things like that with these very pulpy um sort of like 30s adventure stories and then how that eventually builds up towards something like v for vendetta you can see early shades of v when you go back and look at that kind of stuff yeah well absolutely and i mean i i it's because uh night raven was so successful um that I mean, when you know, Des asked me to uh, to to do that, and uh, and when when he left Marvel UK um, and wanted to produce Warrior, he wanted me. He wanted that. He wanted Night Raven again, and and in fact, he asked me to. I mean, basically, he just asked me to do a masked vigilante character. That was the brief. He wanted me to do another kind of Night Raven in whatever form I wanted. And it, the original plan was for me to write and draw it myself. But then by that time, I'd worked with, uh, you know, the great brain. And, uh, and I, 
I thought, uh, I thought, well, you know, you know, I, I should get Alan on board because whatever. I, I mean, I could write and draw it, but I mean, I know it'd be better if I can get an Alan board. And so, you know, Alan was very happy to come on board with that because at the time um, he was on board anyway uh, with Warrior with this with the Marvel Man uh, re um, redo uh, that he was. Uh, so he was he was on board, but. Uh, you know, it, 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 that's how that happened. And uh, but you see, I mean, V itself, the idea of V was, you know, was basically to tell a story in a very cinematic way too, because um, we really did want to tell some a serious story, and we actually wanted to to reach an audience that didn't normally read comics. I mean, we were. And and that's a key to the whole, actually, the whole layout of V for Vendetta because, you know, um, it's done in rectangles. So, you know, previous comics work I'd done, I would do inset panels and bleed and all that sort of stuff. But the the idea behind V was to make it believable. So to make something believable, especially to people who don't normally read comics, you have to give them something that is as close to their normal experience of storytelling as you can. And actually, all most all cinema and TV, it's in rectangles. So, you know, what is what could be more obvious than to keep everything still in that control box of of storytelling? Because that way, you're actually you're you're actually reaching an audience. Because if you do all that splashy stuff that that we're all familiar with in comics, if you do all that. You're not. You will not actually get those people who are unfamiliar with comics, because they want something told in a very simple, sequential manner. And uh, and then of course uh, uh, there was re- removing sound sound effects, because that's another thing that anybody who is not familiar with comics, and you ask them to read it. And you got kabam, kabow, and kabloom. They're just going to look at it and say, "Well, oh, that's kids. That's for kids stuff. That's like listening to the kids' comic." They're not going to come with you. Um, so that's another reason why you should, you know, if you actually want to reach people who, who don't, who don't uh, normally uh, orientate themselves towards comics, you know, give them something that's closer to what. They experience, and then it's a bit like what we were saying earlier about um, a message, you know, with that spoonful of sugar. You know, it's it's there's no way of getting people to come along to some idea that you have unless you give them something that is going to make them want to uh, come along with you. And uh, so, but the cinema concept that we're talking about, the cinema, the cinema aspect, that is as important as. Uh, as uh, as everything else, you know, because because then you're telling them a story in a way they're completely uh, familiar with, you know. It's on the box, it's on the screen, and they understand it, you know. Don't uh, don't uh, play with it, you know. And tying that back to Aces Weekly again, you carry that right forward into Volume One of Aces Weekly with um, your story that's in there. Um, oh right, okay. Have you have you yeah. bought that? Have you read that? Um. I've not bought volume one yet, but I've looked at the sample pages. Oh, right. So, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's, ex- yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that was just the last thing I ever did. And, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. And I, again, that's, uh, 
it's cinema. You know, there's no, there's nothing going on there that isn't uh, very uh, simple. And uh, I know it's a great, it's a good story too. I, I, you know, I, I hope I hope you too actually get that volume because I will. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, you That's know, I'm very proud of that story. I mean, a lot yeah. of people yeah. don't don't know about that because it's, it's the very last thing I ever did as a as a as a strip so they should really yeah and that's uh valley of shadows which is yeah valley of shadows one. yeah and it is it is everything that we've just spoken about it echoes all of that because it carries forward this this filmic philosophy and everything else that we see in other examples of your work and with ace uh with uh v for vendetta and everything else it, it sort of carries that forward and it's it you can see that it when i when i look at examples of your work side by side through different points in your career i can see the through line mm. yeah i well as i say i'm i'm yeah I, well I, I i'm very interested in movies and and, and in fact i did a, a a graphic novel a crime graphic novel called kickback which is which i did purely because i wanted to do something that was like my favorite uh crime movies and uh so you know that's I just and it kind of it it kind of goes in line with my my general uh, my general desire for more people to to read comics and appreciate them and uh, and you know cinema cin- so I have a cinematic sense is just part of who I am but it is a very good way of of trying to get people to come with you into the world of comics, and and I think um, I, I you know we've we've lost that. I mean, we we had there was an opportunity to do that, but I think it, it just got the business is not open to change effectively. I mean, you know, you look at the you look at the whole of the industry itself. It doesn't want to go away from superheroes. It never has ever has wanted to. Once it discovered that kind of like the mother load of success that it saw with superheroes, it's like it didn't want to leave. And and uh, and I'm talking about the American uh, situation, yeah. um, which has affected everything anyway. I mean, it's the whole superhero concept the whole genre has affected the everything on the planet i mean which which in the sense is very sad too because although you know there's nothing wrong with spider man spider man and how wonderful it is and all that stuff that's successful and people love and kids love it and all that stuff that's great but when it when it is actually when it's actually become so powerful that it's distorted the whole perception of a medium you know, it's just like, I don't know, it's like if you went into a bookshop and everything was like Tom Clancy. I mean, what would you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I and I think that's kind of that's kind of sad. Um but you know, we can't go back from that. It's we you know we can't go back from that. But I think one of the regrets I have about the business and the industry is that the industry could have diversified. It had all the money at a certain time, at a certain point in its history. It had all the money to diversify, but it didn't. And I mean, look at look at look at comics for women, for instance, right? I mean, 
before manga uh, came and made its impression on America and the whole of Europe and everywhere um, at a certain point in the 90s, um, before that, you know, comic companies wouldn't even think about doing comics that, like, for women. No, we don't do that. But once manga came along, a lot of the comic, you know, I'm talking about the major comic companies, were starting to think, oh, my God, we just realised we've been reading comics, so we better do some things that are, like, for women. But it was all too late because manga had grabbed the entire audience. All those, you know, 50% of the population that they had completely ignored through their entire industry um, and everybody they'd addressed since, let's say, the late 50s onward. I mean, before that, it was a different world in American comics, but that's, that's another thing. Romance comics used to sell in their millions in the 50s in America because they were on the newsstands. But once the superheroes became the most popular thing, the big companies just said, oh, let's just do that. And it all just became the product of, you know, a restricted readership. But yeah. then, you know, but manga, now there is, you know, it's everywhere. Uh, in comic stores are full of manga. And, and it's read by massive a demographic that is not uh, reading uh, the Avengers and uh, Spider-Man and stuff like that. But but the big companies, you know, Marvel and DC could have really explored that before manga turned up and took all those people, all that readership away from them. But they didn't. No, no, no. They were just happy just doing the same old stuff over and over again. And, of course, they're still doing it. So, you know, this is like, you know, there's no change, really. There's no change at all. It's yeah. like... You, you talk about there's no change and you talk about how the superhero genre has completely taken over the world and has affected the world. But what I wanted to bring up was how actually V for Vendetta affected the world in a certain way. Mm. Because um, as you talk about like how you wanted to get a message out there and how you wanted to bring comics to more people. Well, I, I feel the message is out there because... I wanted to ask you about how um, the the enduring sort of symbolism of the the the, the Guy Fawkes mask and how you because you talk about it. I think it's in there's a, a an issue of Warrior Warrior Seventeen. Mm. Um, Alan Moore wrote an article and he said that you wanted to elevate the image of Guy Fawkes to something to be celebrated. And I feel like you've actually achieved that. I mean, how do you feel now? Because you've obviously been asked about this before in various ways, but yeah. if we, to, coming back to again now in, in recent times, how, do you feel that that's still enduring like as, as, a, as a universal symbol of protest? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. you know, I, uh, the mask. I mean, yeah, and I didn't even know. I mean, it was kind of uh, that was kind of fortuitous that uh, that I I'd uh, that I'd said that, I guess. Um, yeah, but it was just a crazy idea, you know. That whole idea of 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 having our character as Guy Fawkes was kind of crazy, um, and I didn't know whether whether it would it would be a good idea at the time. I just thought we could do that is something that we could do, but then. Uh, you know, it seems so obvious and such a simple thing to do um, yeah. uh, that uh, that it all worked out. I mean, you know, 
I, I don't think I'm responsible for that. It was just one of those crazy brain waves that was fate. I think it was fate affecting my brain when I came up with that because it was so obvious. You know, Guy Fawkes was a failed revolutionary. He failed to blow up the Houses of Parliament. We have a character who actually wants to undermine the government in exactly the same way as uh, as Guy Fawkes failed to do. So what does he do? He comes back and he adopts the persona of Guy Fawkes and he actually does block the Houses of Parliament and he's a success, whereas uh, Guy Fawkes was the failure. It's a complete uh, reimagining and uh, a makeover of the character. And uh, But it worked. It just worked. Uh, but it's fate, you know. Uh, a lot of creativity is just accident. It's not, you don't, I mean, this is the one thing I often tell people about V. Uh, a lot of things that happened in V were accidents. You know, you think, oh, this would be a good idea, and we do it. And then, yeah, that works. And then uh, and then it progresses. And But a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, creativity is that. And, uh, um so that that's it, and and in terms of the mask itself, yeah, it's it's a it's a worldwide thing. I mean, and uh, but the great thing is, is a universal symbol that that anybody can use. I mean, I saw that mask being used at the assault on the Capitol in uh, in America on January the sixth, um, which you think, oh well, that's pretty bad because you don't want that mask representing kind of like those guys but it's that that they have the right to use that mask to represent whatever they want to whatever they want to protest about so in exactly the same way as it can be used in the arab spring it can be used anywhere and i think that's the great thing about it it doesn't have it it doesn't have any background other than symbolizing a resistance to some tyranny whether you perceive it to be a, a tyranny or not, but it's a great universal symbol, um, and I hope it continues being used that like that. But I, yeah. you know, I don't know how how much uh, shelf life it will have as that kind of symbol. I hope it, I hope it, it's continuous, um, but I don't. I'm not sure how long it will uh, have yeah. that that life. I always found it, when I first read V for Vendetta as a teenager, I always found it quite amusing in A, its Britishness, and B, the, um, the, the old saying about how Guy Fawkes was the last person to walk into the Houses of Parliament with honest intentions or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And you know what's very strange? I didn't really, I didn't know how well that was going to go in America. I mean, that is like, we, uh, when, when DC bought that, I didn't know how well that was going to go because it's a very strange character, you know, completely unlike any other kind of, of heroic character. Um, that was a kind of crazy, but, you know, I, whether it was, it, you know, I think the fact that Alan um, was so successful, that he had that springboard. So if it had been, if it had been written by anybody else or it had been, you know, from anywhere else, uh, maybe it, it wouldn't have been as successful, but coming as it did on the heels of Watchmen, and uh, also after you know Alan was a had got such a great reception from uh, uh, the American public, um, you know it was almost bound to succeed. 
uh, really. Um, but uh, but I'm glad it did. But I I was very surprised that it had that response because it's a very weird character all round, you know. Very very British, very sort of something that's insular British as well. Like you don't nobody that I've met outside of the British Isles would instantly recognize Guy Fawkes as Guy Fawkes. It's no, exactly. Know, you know, yeah. often when I'm actually at various, in various countries at various events and, and, and at various chats, um, they ask about the mask as if it was sort of separate from the, from the, from the costumery. Uh, you know, and I often I have to say, you know, I say, and they, you know, I sometimes get asked questions about how did you, how did you come up with the mask? And I, and I just say, I have to say, kind of simply, well, look, the thing is, it's a simplified version of what we know Guy Fawkes to look like, and the character is adopting the persona of Guy Fawkes, so he has the whole kit. You know, he has. Yeah, yeah. He has the costume. In fact, uh, what he wears is actually completely realistic to that uh, to that period. Mm-hmm. I mean, even down the belt and everything, um, everything is exactly historic to that period. Um, you know, they changed it in the movie. The movie is a whole different thing, but because they just needed their own look. But you know, that's all. But it's all just Guy Fawkes. It's just a representation, yeah, of resurrection. So. The mask is just part of the whole of the whole shtick of uh, of Guy Fawkes' uh, identity. Yeah, it yeah. also plays into the um, the character V himself with the, the pomp and the theatre and everything else that he he seems to go. For. He's a very theatrical character, and it, it plays into his sense of humour. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about you know touching on the theatrical concept, you know, when we were thinking about the there was one t- one moment where I thought, well, we should have him as an ordinary guy, because, you know, just a you know a a gorilla, an ordinary guy fighting. But then, both myself and Alan recognised that you couldn't do that because we were actually doing a comic strip adventure character. I mean, we didn't even know exactly how it was going to end up. I mean. The political dimensions and the cultural dimensions of that thing grew. That it was not all just immediately set down. I mean, it grew. It, it grew organically. So when we began it, we didn't actually know what where it was going to end up. You know, it wasn't sort of like all worked out from day one to to the to the end. So so it grew as a kind of uh, as something that meant something. Um, but the, the there was a need to engage and entertain your regular comic book reader, uh, you know, for Warrior. And so, you know, having a character who's colourful and all that stuff was, was very important. You know, that's why you had all those, you know, elements of Zorro and um, all that stuff. It was all kind of like... Something that would give us that, you know, base of something on which to build the political, cultural message, which, you know, we, which, which it, it, the whole thing grew into. Yeah. Um, 
Definitely. What I wanted to ask as well, because we were coming onto the subject of creativity and I wanted to, and, and, and the sort of like, I guess this ties into the theatricality and everything else as well. But one thing that rereading V um, prior to this interview, one thing that really interested me was the point where uh, book two begins, the Fisher's Cabaret. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, the pages where you would turn the book horizontal which mm. again feeds into the the landscape viewing the 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 kind of like the cinema sense I guess and also the fact that it's sheet music yeah and I was very interested in how that came about and how I mean your your input towards that as an artist creating pages that were sheet music yeah well that was well that was just you see the great thing about V in those early days was that it was done six to eight pages every month right now i mean i was doing other work and alan was doing other work but but we only had to do six to eight pages every month because we were doing it for an anthology magazine well when you're just doing six to eight pages a month you have lots of time to think you know and and the way that that whole and the way that whole story developed anyway was that it was all done bit uh bit by bit uh I don't want to ramble on too long, but um, but the books, Alan would write the books as a synopsis, and then I would talk. We would talk about them, and then he would write individual chapters, and each individual chapter was drawn before he wrote the next chapter. So it was done very slowly, and when you do something very slowly, it becomes it it becomes organic. And you have time to experiment. Now, that's completely unlike most comics, in American comics, you know. American comics is 22 pages. You have these long story arcs. Editors have to, you know, sign off and everything. Everything has to be sort of like... But we weren't doing it like that. And we had complete control over what we were doing, actually. that's a, We haven't covered that, but <laughs> because... Des couldn't pay us a lot of money. We had the compensation. We had two compensations. One, that we owned it. We owned V for Vendetta. Uh, secondly, we could do whatever we liked. We had full control of it. So that meant that while we were doing this stuff, we could experiment and we could do all this kind of crazy stuff. Alan had this idea that he was going to do something musical. And he knew David Jay of Bauhaus, uh, the band Bauhaus at the time. And they got together and uh, ended up with this vicious cabaret. And Alan had this idea, hey, let's do it like this, uh, like a song. And you can, and you do the illustrations. So basically, I can't, uh, I can't actually tell you how I worked that out how I worked out which pictures would run under each line. I can't tell you that because I'm not sure how I worked that out if I did in a, a very sophisticated way. But it was, it was merely a matter of, of using the visuals that, that somehow accompanied part of it. I have to look at it again to see, you know, to, to I don't know, talk more... Um, clearly about it all for you but it worked out 
because once you had once you had the song, once you had the lyrics, um, you know your lyrics were there, and you knew what the what the song the song lyrics were referring to, and then you you just used that. But it was like it was a great idea, and and we could do it because there was nobody there was nobody saying, "Oh no, you can't do that. It's going to be a bit weird, isn't it?" No, <laughs> we just did it, and um, that's you know one of the keys of uh, of uh, V being uh, what it is and why it's so good is because we were in control and we could do what we wanted, and uh, you know. Unfortunately, a lot of comics are not given such license, and uh, but we did, and we had that license, and we used it. Do you, um, with with the with the content that you curate and choose for? So, with with this question about about license and freedom. So, with the content that you create and choose for Aces Weekly, mm. um, you you encourage that license and freedom, don't you? Well, I tell you what, and uh, yeah. well. Uh, I don't create anything. Oh, in, okay. uh, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't guide anything. I don't create anything. Um, I just let people do what they want to do. If they, if they have an idea they want to submit, um, you know, I just uh, short synopsis, a couple of pages of script, and the artist that's going to work on it. If it's a writer artist, you know, that's okay. If it's a, a writer with an artist, that's okay. And then I just say, okay, do it. And, yeah. it, you know, it, but freedom is the key. Uh, absolutely. In, in terms of, you know, connecting it to what I've just been saying about V, freedom is the key. Um, you can do whatever you like. We have certain limits or rules about what you can say and what, what the subjects are because um i want the subscriber base to be as wide as possible so i'm not going to i'm not going to you know exclude any part of that base that may object um but generally speaking um no but it, you know we've had some cre- we've had some really wacky stuff in in uh, aces weekly but it's not something that i design or create or or encourage. Um, I think if if anybody is encouraged, it's because they see what we've done. They see other things that we've that we've done, and they and they want to to do something uh, themselves uh, on that level or on the level they perceive it to be. But I don't, you know, I don't, I don't force people. I don't have an agenda. Um, it's just uh rules of uh of um of just general acceptance uh amongst a general uh subscriber base yeah um you can you can see like with the wealth of different um even even just in volume 55 actually the latest one it just just with the amount of different stories that are present within that one volume and the, the differences in, in artist and writing style and, and everything else, you can actually see that. Yeah. You can see that the, 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 the freedom. And that's, I think for me, that's always been something that I've thought about when I've thought about anthologies. The great thing about anthologies is the wealth of different 
um, talent and, and art that you can showcase in like a certain amount, like you're, because you have submissions from people worldwide as well. You're getting, and, and this is again, back to the beginning of the conversation when you were saying the curse of comics is the fact that everything's evolved differently in different parts of the world. Well, actually mm. that's almost a blessing when you're doing things like curating an anthology with worldwide talent, because you're getting a lot of different stuff. Well, that's the, well, that that's that's true. I mean, the, well, but, but that's comics as a medium rather than anything else. I mean, I if you if you've seen Golgotha, I mean, well, you know what I'm talking about. Golgotha yeah. in Volume Fifty Five is an extraordinary time travel story about wanting to uh, wanting to save the world by saving the savior. And you know, I won't blow it to, for anybody. You know more than that. Who, who wants to actually uh, subscribe? But that is a fantastically wonderful story. Now you've just—I think you've subscribed uh, from. I think you're on fifty-five. But yeah, it, yeah. you know, and that's the—I think that's the fifth part of uh, of Golgotha. Um, but you know, you read that man. That is just great, and that, and and extraordinary, and. Also, you're talking about the global global nature of things. That is a Spanish, a Spanish and Colombian team working on that, and yet there is uh, influence of Urge and Tintin in that. Yeah, yeah. And yet, with with those. Despite that, and it, you'd think, considering the weight of the story and the importance of the story they tell, you'd think that's never going to work. But that, it, it does. It's extraordinary. And, um, and, in, and, and a meaningful and a moving piece of work. Uh, and I, you know, I, um, when, I'm, when I talk about Aces and I add the previews of aces i try not to uh i try not to promote one team of artists or writers above another because everybody is doing great stuff in aces weekly and they're all great and um and i don't like to showcase or focus on any one of them because they're all brilliant they're all doing fabulous work um uh, but Golgotha is just a remarkable, a remarkable thing. And uh, um, but what an extraordinary mix! A Colombian and a Spanish, you know, Colombian and a Spanish, and and actually the original book that that's based uh, that that uh, work is based on um, won a, a literary prize in uh, in Colombia. So. That the strip was adapted from a, a work, but it's just extraordinary. And I, and I, you know, you know, I'm always fighting this battle against comic readers who just want paper. And it's like I'm sick of it. I am, you know, I try not to get too upset about it, but I am sick to death that comic readers are not so interested in comics as they are in paper. If if Comic readers have got to free themselves from the teat, the mummy's mummy's tit of paper to actually appreciate that actually comics 
don't have to be on paper. They can be on screen. They can be anywhere. But just love comics. Don't just love paper. Because you're limiting your whole experience. Uh, you're limiting the experience of comics to to a wider world, you know? It's like, yeah, you know, and as I say, I'm... Gold, Golgotha is just one of those uh, great uh, pieces of work that I just want people to direct to. But of course, the people who, who the creators of Golgotha have produced that as a book. I mean, they've produced that as a book and they're selling it as a book too. I mean, I'm just glad that they've given it to us to sell digitally and exclusively uh, in English. Um, in Aces Weekly. Uh, and, you know, I just want people to recognise how how you really don't need paper. Um, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, because the, the, the distribution of digital comics now has come such a long way. And to, to a point now where it, it's, you can, and it's not like you are, because there would have been a point in time where it would have been um, difficult to enjoy comics on a screen and things like that. But with the technology we've got now, with the new devices and everything else, it's it's much easier, and it's it's as the same as reading a book. Actually, this is what I've found because I was I was one of those people where I was um, sort of held down to the, the 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 paper side of things i always wanted a solid copy of something i like having books i like having mm. a solid book in my hand mm. i still do but i i i can appreciate the beauty of of buying things digitally and how it's you know it, it's it's freeing and you can take your entire library with you anywhere you go well that's exactly true but you know it, it's but we're still fighting a battle because you know, most of the digital comics are previously published paper stuff. You know, I mean, mm. Comicsology makes all its money from printing uh, uh, stuff previously pi- printed on paper. They'd be lost without that. I mean, well, Comicsology, Amazon, they'd be lost without it. I mean, the thing is, but the acceptance of comic readers as a mass of original digital material is still way, way back. They that they're still still like children, you know, yeah. And it really frustrates me <laughs> because yeah. because I completely understand the whole thing about paper. I completely understand that, and I've got no problem with that. I mean, my career has been paper, and I you know I I benefit from from that. I have, and that's great. But I want progress. I want the new, and I want progress that benefits the creators of comics. And the creators of comics need room to breathe. And paper and the old distribution systems, all that old stuff is restricting creativity. Look at everybody's running around getting Kickstarters and stuff. You know, that's crazy. That's crazy. You know, uh, you have cyberspace which can reach thousands and thousands of people. And why does everybody still obsess about paper? Because they know that all the comic readers are still lost, stuck in the time trap 
of wanting comics on paper. They're almost like addicts. You know, they need paper. And they think it's if they can't accept. So they're, as I, they're not really comic lovers. This is the thing. If they were comic lovers, they would accept that great storytelling form on any surface. But no, they're only comic lovers if it's on paper. And, you know, until, until that changes, lots of great creativity is going to be left out in the cold or scrabbling around trying to make some, some money to get a Kickstarter going and grab an audience for a Kickstarter. It's completely unnecessary, and it's, it's insane. Um, it's, I mean, for me, it's a bit like, um, you know, when DVDs came in or CDs yeah, came yeah. in? When CDs came in, if all the people who love music said, no, no, I'm not having any of my music on a CD, it's got to be in vinyl, right? Now, I have a great vinyl collection of stuff, right? But... I and I have no problem with vinyl. But if the whole of the cultural world of music had had to suffer from a bunch of people who were stuck on vinyl when we you know, we could do CDs and now it's like Spotify, you down you know, you download it. You know, you yeah, stream yeah. it. I mean but no, but the comics in comics we're still stuck. It's like the 21st century never happened. And I don't know how we're ever going to change that. I, I, I think the tradition and nostalgia are big blocks to the medium. And it's like, I don't know, maybe the medium's cursed. You know, when I, when I was saying about the fact that the medium never grew like cinema. Yeah. You know, because it all got, you know, it all changed and it was different in... Japan and then different maybe that's it maybe maybe somehow comics is like I don't know like stuck and can never really move on um which is very sad a very sad thing to 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 imagine maybe it's that I don't know but uh but I just I just get very kind of upset about it because because it's it it's about the medium and it's about creators creators you've got great stories to tell but they've got nowhere to tell them because they can't afford to do a kickstarter uh there's no publisher that's going to run their story because it's not got a superhero in it and uh you know but why and it's insane you know yeah, totally yeah. Insane. For, for some people it's less about the art and more about the physical object like you're saying, and it's, it's, um, and that's, that's where it gets, that's the sad thing really, because it's, it's people want that. I mean, I, I have been guilty of that previously. I, I know I have because I am been having been a comics fan and been grown up as a comics fan. I I've, I've gone from having, you know, being like, it has to be on paper to accepting digital and buying a lot more comics digitally and things like that. And I've, I've learned now myself i've come through that and learned that actually i don't have to have a solid object to appreciate a comic no um and and that's one of the great things about aces weekly as well because that 
as a as a as a you know if you subscribe as a model it it teaches people that kind of because the the great stories that are available on aces weekly you you learn that these you can watch them on any device you can have them on any device you can like like you say on the on the on the aces weekly website you can have them on your tablet you can have them on your computer screen you can even put them on your smart tv and and go through them and you don't have to have a solid object you you've got enough solid objects there that you can what you can display them on it's yeah and it all looks good it will look so yeah. good the screen you know and it's like but you know you touch on that thing about collecting yeah i mean collecting has become collecting is another of the hurdles of uh, uh that we are that we're having to to jump uh or climb um it is collecting i mean the whole history again, you know, it's like comics have got this extraordinary, messy, gross situation. I mean, like uh, you know, when they were in the newsstands in America, everybody read comics. You know, it's like romance comics sold in their millions in the fifties. Now that's not to kids, you know. You don't sell a million romance comics to to little Johnny in his short pants. You know, this is like, <laughs> it's like. It was every and it was on all the stands and people would just read them like as like as a mass market. It was like magazines, you know. Um, but then you had that whole stuff with the uh, scandals of all oh, comics, uh, you know, destroying our kids and all that nonsense in the fifties. Then you had the Comics Code, um, and that's that's when that's when the comic that's when the superheroes actually survived and became stronger because they were simple they were they didn't mean anything they were simple fantasies so that's how they began to grow but then what happened in the 70s was when the newsstands uh had a big battle over comics um and they weren't the comics weren't being distributed properly um uh then they set up the direct sales market and then you had comic stores and immediately you get something in a comic store, it becomes a niche market. It's not a mass product. It's not the mass market anymore. And then it started disappearing from the newsstands, or there was only a, there weren't so many on the newsstands anymore. So they, the comics were kind of becoming small minority stuff on the newsstands. Uh, and then the comics market, comics market diverted into into the comic stores. And then the comic stores became a ghetto. They look ghetto places where only comic fans went. And a lot of the public never even knew they were there. And if they knew they were there, they wouldn't go there because, you know, they were all they were not really like, you know, not like Barnes and Noble or anything. And then and then it all became a comics fans collecting market. And then they started putting them in plastic bags and the whole thing went to hell in a handbasket. Um, as far as the general public was concerned. And now we're still in a situation where the general public is right over there, you know, looking from afar at the comics business because they're still not reading them. They go and see the movies, but they're still not going to the comic store and buying them. And uh, and that's where we are. But again, that's yeah, another. Yeah. That's ex- you know collecting now, and collecting is becoming thing. You know, is like oh, you know, it's like it's all 
it's all totally screwed up. And, yeah. uh, and, and I, you know, well, you, you know exactly yeah. how I'm... I know, well, I know what you're saying. You, you, it's redacting from the art itself. It's yeah. absolutely exactly. Yeah. You're it's becoming a thing. Comics are not a thing, and that's what comics have become. They've become a thing that have drawings and words in them. It's not a thing. It's a great art form, and it's a great thing that I can. I mean, it's like saying it's like almost like saying. Well, okay, it's like movies. You could only go to the cinema and watch a movie. Imagine if somebody had said, when they would make you DVDs, oh, no, you can't watch them on the DVD. You have to go to the movies to see them. You have to go to the cinema. No, 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 you don't. No. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same thing, but it's still a film, right? So buy this DVD. You are still seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark, but... No, 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 that's not comic, that's not, that's not movies, that's like, yeah, well, yeah. anyway, what can I say? You know exactly what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. How are we going to solve it? That's the question. Well, that's it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if, well, I, I would, how, how do you feel that, that we're going to solve it? How do you feel that it could be solved? I don't know. I, I honestly don't yeah. know. I'm, 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 I'm. I'm trying um, with the uh, with Aces Weekly. Uh, yeah, you know, I've I've uh, I've I've used different promoters at certain times, um, and they always say, you know, they always say, "Oh yeah, I know how to do this," you know, but they don't know, and they they don't understand how unique the situation is, and. Uh, um, there was one guy uh, who said, oh, you need some Facebook ads. Okay, do some Facebook ads. And when those Facebook ads did not have the results, that he, he, was, he was shocked. He thought, I can't believe it. I can't, I can't. And really? Don't believe it. And this is a man who's supposed to know, you know, he'd obviously had yeah. good results at various other places. But I, I, we, we are in a situation where... You have an ingrained body of uh, of people who who are just very who who don't want to move, uh, and it's difficult uh, to to get them to try something new or to move. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I think that's a it's a very you know I I don't if you look at if you look at if you look at the comics demographic, it hasn't changed an awful lot over over decades. Um, uh, what what seems to have happened is the demographic of English reading uh, of comic readers has has remained the same. I mean. Different trends will move different demographics into comics, like manga, as like we were talking about manga, and yeah. the fact that manga uh, introduced a whole bunch of, of, of new people to, to comics through manga, and a whole demographic moved towards that. But that's not the demographic that was reading um, regular Western comics. It, 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 
it it grabbed a whole different audience, and um, and I th- I think I think it's just uh, it's a very tough job, but uh, I you know I you can only keep trying and uh, and hope that, that people will 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 transform because d- people do change. Um, it just you know. You just can't rely on them changing. I think it's the best way of saying. Yeah, and I mean, there's something positive coming out of it anyway because you've you've created Aces Weekly and you've got a positive space for people to create and people to promote their art digitally and things like that, which takes away the barrier of of having to produce a solid object, like you were saying, which is one of the better things about something like Aces Weekly and the anthology model, the fact that you can collate so many different kinds of work in one place. Mm. Um. And yeah, it's um, yeah, um, it's it's a great it's a great anthology, and um, yeah, I think I think people should more people should check it out. Um, and it's been a pleasure to talk to you about it on here, definitely. Because um, yeah, I've I've very much enjoyed having you on the show. We've enjoyed having you on here. Um, and yeah, I would just say you could ca- you can go to um, it's acesweekly.co.uk. That's it, and that's that's where you'll find uh, all the previous volumes. You'll be able to subscribe from the current volume onwards, um, and you will be able to find uh, preview pages as well um, that you can take a look at and and see. Um, there's there's uh, well, as, as a lot of it's from volume one, isn't it? The previews. Yeah, it's a it's a whole yeah. mix. Uh, the free samples of uh, just a mix of um, uh, of of some of the volumes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fantastic anthology, and uh, I would recommend it to anyone uh, who is looking for something new, something a bit different. And like I said before, at the beginning of the show, at the top of the show, David Lloyd's work is what sort of got me to step outside of the boundaries of the mainstream of DC and Marvel um, with, with work like Viva Vendetta, sort of like getting me away from that and into towards things that aren't so mainstream aren't capes comics aren't that kind of thing and and for that i and and, and this is the work that, that that you're continuing to do isn't it with with aces weekly definitely yeah i just give everybody yeah. their 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 chance to to tell the stories they want to and that's the most important thing it's like you know there's the most the important thing the most important thing about art is the freedom to do it and the freedom to say what you want to in it and that's uh that's something that's, uh, that that is not always available in um, in the general comics world. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Um, just before we completely wrap up, just as an aside, I just wanted to come back to V again because there was one thing. Having read it again recently, is how with with some of the things that are going on now in the UK and UK politics and the way mm-hmm. that. We, you know some of the policies that have been enacted and everything else and the way that we are our, our country is being run now yeah. um it's it's incredible like how you and alan moore managed to craft something that seems so perennial and so <laughs> enduring in that way mm-hmm. well yeah. i you know yeah absolutely greg i mean the thing is this uh you know there's never a shortage of dictatorships and authoritarian regimes. I think the only thing that shocks me, uh, or shocked me in recent times, is that you know a place like America was found itself in the hands of an authoritarian who was like buddies with 
another authoritarian. And that is like strangest thing I've probably experienced in my in my life. Um and you know it it says it does warn us all that uh you know we must be vigilant in the face of the possibilities of uh of dictatorship. I mean, you know, you've got to you just got to hang on to democracy. Democracy is not perfect. I mean, you know, uh, we, we're all in the hands of powers uh, that we're not in control of. But the most important thing for everybody is that they have a vote. Uh, they have a chance uh, to vote. Whether that vote actually gets them exactly what they want or not, but the important thing is to have that vote. When you don't have that vote, or when it's just a fake vote that you know uh, is a fake, um, well, you're in trouble. And uh, so, you know, the message of uh, of V is that, you know, you better hang on to your individuality and make sure that you get what you need out uh, out of your existence. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Indeed, yes. Um, so, yeah, I think that about wraps us up for this episode of Ace Comicals. So, again, David Lloyd, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure and an honour to have you on the show. Well, it's it's my pleasure too, Greg, and uh, yeah. thanks for inviting me again. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, thanks for joining us. That has been Ace Comicals 127. You can find us in all the usual places, acecomicals.com, um, which is where there are links and... Uh, links and arrows to everything we do and and every everywhere you can find us to listen to it's kind of the hub for everything um we're on twitter under ace comicals which is where we are most active if you have anything to add uh, if you want to ask us a question um you can send us a dm or at us a, a, on twitter ace comicals um and you can find me under ace comicals at bato that's b-a-t-t-o-u um david where can we find you well, I have a website which is L4 Lloyd at AOL. No, I'm sorry, L4 Lloyd. So it's just L4 Lloyd.com. And then, uh, but you can see what I'm up to on Facebook. And uh, of course, uh, uh, www.acesweekly.co.uk is where you can find out about Aces Weekly. So thanks for joining us. And uh, that has been Ace Comicals over and out.